So, uh, I showed my roommate Life of Pi the other day. I didn't really, I don't know if I like using that term. Like, I showed this person a movie. Like, they, he knew the movie well, existed and just hadn't gone out of his way to watch it. <laughs> I just decided sure. this is what we're watching tonight, and he was down, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, have you seen <laughs> right. it? Uh, yeah, I think, I don't think I've seen it since, I, I saw it in theaters, which was a good choice. Yeah, but, that, uh, I don't think I've seen it since. It's, uh, it's really cool. I, I remember it being like, it's, it's a visual movie. Very, yeah, a visual um, treat. And there's like some, some cool sim- symbolism and stuff, but for the most part, it's just like, wow, look at that. Yeah, and I think the main reason for that, and I don't think, uh. I'll say it's a spoiler. If you haven't seen Life of Pi, I might be spoiling it a little bit. But the the way that they tell the story is like, hey, this is a symbol for this. Instead of right. just like letting you realize that or decide whether or not. It's done well, though. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Ang Lee directed it and he's just a, such a That's good director right. that like even the sloppy storytelling bits make you cry your eyes out. So yeah, like Ang Lee just directed something else recently that I was like, that was Ang Lee. Dude, he directed the Will Smith, uh, with Young Will Smith. Yeah. I actually kind of want to talk about that. Uh, if you're down, Gemini real quick. Man? I saw it I, in its I appropriate it. format. So let me tell you real quick. So yeah. Gemini Man was a uh, frame rate project. Basically, Ang Lee wanted to make a movie using hyper like super 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 high frame rate like 700 frames per second or something like Mm. that he like filmed Mm. it at some insane frame rate so that in the scenes with the cgi young will smith you literally have to have seen it with that high frame rate it doesn't look like cgi it's it's really young will smith if you've seen it i i've heard from everyone else that i've talked to that's seen it i actually saw it with uh mitchell when he lived out here we both agreed, like, okay, any not during the bright daylight scene, there's, like, two scenes during bright daylight, they do mm-hmm. look a little tiny bit fake, but, like, better than anything I've ever seen still. Any scene with even a little bit of shadow, the young Will Smith genuinely looks just like a young Will Smith. It's crazy, huh. because the frame rate makes, like, and I will also say it, it adds to moments like explosions where obviously the little tiny bits and pieces of an explosion, you don't see them because the fr- you know they're missing in frames. Right. Sure. This extremely high frame rate and extremely well done 3D, I might add, mm-hmm. created some of the most like, oh, people are shooting at me right now. Oh, there is an explosion in the movie theater <laughs> right now. And oh, that's a real young Will Smith. But I think I was one of like 200 people that saw it in that appropriate frame rate because most movie theaters in the whole world don't even have the ability to play a movie in that frame rate. Right. You know, being in LA, you have like the luxuries of just like those $5 million theater tickets and shit. And it, you know, when I'm, when I want to have a little treat, I'll go out of my way to find those special theaters. And I did that for that. So yeah, I think Ang Lee similar to life of Pi, is like very, uh, technically forward he's trying to think mm. like okay well what in 10 years will be the standard because i want to do that now Interesting. yeah and uh-huh. uh life of pi kind of feels that way while you're watching it you genuinely you can't tell what's cgi what's not the 3d yeah. doesn't that was feel like oh i'm gonna poke a wow. stick into the into the <laughs> screen you know right. it feels yeah. a little cooler than that you know huh. there are some 
some of that though there's definitely some literally as i'm saying that i'm remembering there is a literal i'm pointing a stick into the screen moment but (laughs) but yeah it held up visually really well some beautiful stuff is it is it worth a revisit yes would you recommend yeah okay yeah i would i uh especially because i know you are an aspiring cinematographer Mm-hmm. Or as yeah, someone, I remember there's some beautiful shots. One of that. many things you have on your tool belt of artistry, ever growing artist belt. Yeah, I kind of had it in mind as like a thing. I've I've been wanting to hone my uh, visual. I wouldn't call them skills, but just like being able to be like, yes, that's a good shot. That is framed mm. well. That is, you know, like I, it's something. Sure. I I'm I'm more of like a wow the way that that like punch sounded sounded so cool yeah you know what I mean and I I think that movie was a, a great yeah a more you know, audio center and I definitely have a more visual center yeah kind of uh, interesting where we operate from which is interesting because I don't know I've thought about that like film is everybody thinks about it as a visual medium and it is but like audio is so important on movies um, yeah. It's one of the main reasons that, like, I, re- I'm in this weird dilemma, like, in my life about wanting to someday own a house, and also thinking probably with my career choices and my being a, you know, just barely still a millennial, um, I probably never will. But I wanna, I wanna live somewhere where I don't have, I'm not in an apartment building, you know, I don't have neighbors and like have to worry about the volume level. I want to be able to play movies loud. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I want to be able. To, I um, I can get away with playing movies loud till ten o'clock, and it's a struggle. Like I know that's like, come on, man, that's not bad. But still, like yeah. I want to play Mad Max Fury Road at midnight on freaking <laughs> yeah. volume to the max. Right. Pun volume intended. To the max. Is that a pun or is that just a play of words? Um. Good wordplay. Not even good wordplay. That's some dad wordplay. <laughs> that, that that is some some dad play. No, that's definitely Ooh. not a good play. <laughs> Ooh, rough. Um, I just wanted to touch on an artist that I've been a fan of for a while, um, but uh, have been revisiting his albums in uh, you know, my effort to try and reinvest in black artists and stuff. Uh, Open Mike Eagle is he's a he's an art house rapper who um we actually almost saw at um what was that Pitchfork. festival in Chicago what pitchfork yeah pitchfork. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah that's why um, i recognized that name we just barely missed him and actually we saw him drive by on uh like a golf cart thing as we were walking around we were mostly there to see tame impala but i saw him so i i missed his concert which i feel like i remember sucks, this but i we did see him like 20 feet away and i was like oh holy shit which was really cool, but um, he's he's just really. I, I discovered him because one of my favorite bands is They Might Be Giants, and I saw this video about him talking about why They Might Be Giants are incredible. So I was like, okay, he's dope, um, <laughs> and gets it. I just saw someone um, else. Not to interject, only yeah. a second. I forgot who it was. It was someone else, also very dope, saying They Might Be Giants is one of the greats. I can't even remember who it is, so this my me saying that doesn't have any merit or doesn't <laughs> hold any weight at all, I know. But it just says a lot that like random awesome artists that we appreciate. Yeah. Well, uh know. the the McElroy brothers who do my brother and brother uh, my brother, my brother and me, 
one of the most famous podcasts and do the Adventure Zone. They're like famous podcasters at this point. Justin McElroy, who was already my favorite of the three. I've gotten into these guys over the past like year. He has a They Might Be Giants tattoo on his arm. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, fuck yeah. And was just featured on an episode of um, a They Might Be Giants podcast called This Might Be a Podcast. But uh, <laughs> I set out to talk about Open Mike Eagle. His album, uh, Dark Comedy, is, I don't know, it's just a, it's a lot of fun in a lot of ways, but it also has a lot of really great commentary. It's got a lot of cool features. One of them, which I know you'll recognize, Hannibal Burris is actually on one oh, of the tracks, cool. which is... It's just dope, and it's it's enjoyable to listen to. He does some weird stuff, but it, it's all like, I enjoy it a lot. I really so, like weird. I uh, just wanted to shout out Open Mike Eagle. Um, Good art that is weird is better. <laughs> hell yeah. I love that shit. Well, this is A New Lens, a podcast Gary and I started to talk about media that we liked as kids through the new lens of adults and amateur filmmakers. Um I, I don't know what I'm doing there, but uh, we are doing Avatar episode by episode, and we've come to the episode, The Deserter. Great episode. Is that th- This is, I mean, one of the best, really. I, I mean, we've said that about so many, but I, I truly I did, think about this episode very, The only reason very, I didn't often. say that is because of how often I do say that. This is yeah. one of those... Uh, it sticks out in my memory. It's it's like we've described er- earlier in the show, we've described how, yeah, but there's just this one episode, this moment in it, that when I think about Avatar and think about being a kid watching it, I think about mm-hmm. this. This this episode has like three moments in it that I remember yeah. the first time I ever watched it, you know? Yeah, yeah. The ending of this episode, well, we'll get to it. Uh, yeah. Do you want to give us a lowdown on this one? Uh, Sure, I think I could do that. Um, So, Aang and the gang, can't stop saying that. Uh, they uh, <laughs> gotta address it every time too. Essentially, find a flyer for yeah. Sorry, <laughs> yes, you do. Um, <laughs> they essentially find a flyer for a um, Fire Nation festival. Uh, near the flyer are some wanted posters, so they know they gotta you know be in disguise when they go. So they put on some hoods, show up. They actually get some masks right away. Thank God it's a mask festival. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, they, while at the festival, end up kind of exposing themselves because Aang assumes that a magic trick is real and like tries to deflate some firebending. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they run away and are helped out by this mysterious hooded figure who takes them um like he kind of like it's like a short he takes them on a shortcut to get them away from the city and away from mm-hmm. the firebenders uh and takes them to master jong jong which is a basically master firebender who went against the fire nation when they you know started this war or i think did they explain when he they didn't goes quite against say when, them i think yeah, yeah. but basically he is a firebender who is a master and decides to, um, I think he decides to essentially banish himself from the Fire Nation because he's not a bad, bad dude. He's like a good dude. So him and this like group of basically self-banished Fire Nation uh, people have become like nomads living on the outskirts of this city. Mm-hmm. And Aang attempts to learn firebending from this master who refuses at first to teach him, but then eventually will. 
and we'll talk about why. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a slow process, which kind of bugs Aang. So he takes it into his own hands, literally, and ends up burning Katara. At the same time, Zhao ends up showing up because he hears about the Avatar at that festival. And there's a fight at the end where Zhang Zhang escapes, basically uh, uh, helps with some advice to tell Aang how to kind of defeat Zhao. And they get away, and Zhao kind of defeats himself. Uh, I don't know. Did I... I realized yeah. as I started talking about it, as we always do every time, like, oh man, there's a lot I want to say right now. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I think I got kind of most of it, and we can... As long as we give, like, a general overview. Yeah, uh, and there's so many beats in this episode that are just so potent. I think the beginning is... it. It's, it's not as good. It, it, it gets better and better, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, just to dive right in... Why the fuck do they go to this festival, man? I mean, I kind of get it, but also, like, that is the stupidest thing they possibly could have done. It's funny, too, because they even, like, are open about how they don't want to be, like, they talk about it like, these people are murderers, and we're going to see, like, probably, uh, what does Sokka say? Probably, like, them burning a person or something, like, probably burning people alive or whatever, like... They're assuming that this festival they're going to isn't a good thing. They think right. it's bad. And their best and their disguises are terrible at first. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's kind of silly. Uh before they even get there though, I was gonna say those wanted posters are pretty cool. We get to see a little blue spirit wanted poster. I like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. I really Super like cool. that. Uh there's four <laughs> posters. There's the blue spirit, there's Ang, there's the guy I forget his name, but the guy who helps them Jay. to their Yeah, Jay later. And uh, Jong Jong, they're all on there. And actually, even before that, if I can uh, bring up the very first shot of this episode, it's this golden, beautiful, like fiery yeah. shot of the forest. Momo pops his head up, and then he <laughs> scurries away, and we see this shadowed figure. So we know they're already being followed. Yeah, I love the. <laughs> I love this guy. It's. Uh... It's, like, almost reminiscent of the Blue Spirit, but, like, a little dorkier or something. There's just <laughs> yeah. something about him that makes you kind of go, <laughs> when he yeah. shows up and, like, creeps into the darkness. Where the Blue Spirit, right. I was like, oh, what's that? This guy, I'm like, ooh, what's that? Okay, he's kind of funny, <laughs> isn't he? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sokka just being like, <laughs> can you find some menus? I'm starving, or whatever, <laughs> like, his line. <laughs> yeah. And when they do decide to go, he's just like, yeah. Because we always leave before things get bad. It's like, he's fucking right, man. They, yeah, they Sokka, have done a shit job Sokka of, like, is a great... reading the situation, you know? <laughs> they just, yeah, they shouldn't have gone. But it's okay, because, I mean, at the when you think about it, too, they might be, like, actually starving, and this might be their only option, you know? Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, they do start they start going to the town and Appa and Momo obviously can't come, so they have to try and hide. And Appa just It cracks me up too. Kneeling behind this bush. They don't even attempt to like fix it. They're, They're just, just like, like Yeah, right, good. Thumbs cool. up. <laughs> Same with Aang too. Like when I every time I watch I, I've said this. Every time I watch this episode, like, I've seen this show, like, a million times, but it's been a few times now. Yeah. Uh, 
But I feel like I always think they're going to be like, all right, Aang, put your shirt down. Here's a hat. But he literally goes in there with his shirt over his head. God. Like a hood. It's the worst. <laughs> it's well, the worst disguise. I will say, uh, when they're in there, I've I've seen a lot of people be uh, critical on the internet. By the way, being critical is, I think, totally like cool in any medium. But there mm. are some critiques of animated children's shows that I'm just like, okay, come on. You know what I mean? <laughs> One that I keep seeing going around is like, all right, well, if everyone's eye color is associated with their nation, then like, why would they even attempt at trying to like hide in a Fire Nation city? Because their eye color will give them away instantly. And here's my mini rebuttal, Mm -hmm. two rebuttals. One, the eye color thing is just cool. And that's as simple as that. I remember being a kid (laughs) and realizing it and being like, Uh oh my God, that's so cool. You know, like, and that's what the point of it is. Two, in this episode, we see a lot of people in this Fire Nation city with different colored eyes. We see Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of, like, the yellow, like, amber, brown color that, like, Mm -hmm. Zuko's eyes are. But I see a lot of light. I saw a lot of light gray, dark gray, Hmm. gray. (laughs) (laughs) It was a lot of gray eyes. How many shades of gray would you say you counted, Gary? But I would say that blue is close enough to a shade of gray to totally be, you know, light blue and Aang's eyes are gray, so it's like... Exactly. How many people are looking that closely, really? Because they're not really interacting with that many people. It took me a while into the show as a kid to realize that, and there are probably people listening right now that are like, wait. (laughs) Wait. (laughs) Their eyes are... Yeah, Firebender's eyes are usually orange, Airbender's are gray, well, Aang's are gray. Although, I don't know, Gyatso? Probably gray. Probably gray. Waterbenders are blue, Earthbenders are green. It's it's just a dope little detail. Don't yeah, read too I much just, into it, guys. It's come just on. cool, you know? Yeah, yeah. come on. So, come on, I think that cool. this, uh, this episode, I, we've seen it before with um, just like glimpses of like the Agni Kai between Zuko and his father with mm-hmm. uh Jean uh General Zhao's or Admiral Zhao's speech. Now we see like what's so scary about the Fire Nation is they're just like any other nation. They have festivals, they mm-hmm. celebrate shit, there are people, there are kids. Like it isn't this ominous country of only soldiers spreading to just destroy everything. What's scary right. is they are genuinely just trying to expand their uh, society, which mm-hmm. they think is the superior society, mm-hmm. you know? It's art it's... forms they're sharing here. They're sharing their art. Yeah. There are and... artists in the Fire Nation <laughs> who are probably controlled and like limited by the government on what they can do to only make things like masks for a you know fire nation basically like propaganda <laughs> festival yeah exactly but, and and it's even like further driven home that it is propaganda when we see soldiers basically being like "Zhao, everything went great like the festival went great except for the few ticks you know like <laughs> right it's clear that it matters the, to the puppets the puppet show dude that's so is, fucked up <laughs> so fucked up oh and everyone's all cheering for it yeah and all the kids watch him burn up the earth Yep. and yay it's terrifying christ and it's and what's scary is what's even scarier is to think about like okay but that happens like all the time there's a lot of propaganda in uh children's 
media, which yeah. is interesting that the show just like blatantly. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I would say that that's like a reference to. Oh, absolutely. It's you know? like think critically about the stories that you're seeing, you know? I mean, it's exactly. not blatant, but that is in there in this kid's show. That is wild. That is wildly yeah. mature, even though it's like sort of just a mildly goofy little thing. That's a really potent moment. Fucking uh, yeah. Aang is so stupid in this moment. <laughs> he's he's requesting to go on stage. He's like raising his hand to be... You fucking he idiot, dude. He definitely is the reason attention got drawn down to Katara, you know? Like and his then, hand yeah, drew exactly. the guy's eyes. And then she's up there and he forgets that he's at a fucking like festival show. And he's like, oh no, she's in trouble. He's like, he wouldn't have brought her. Well, I suppose, actually, you know what? I'm contradicting myself because they were talking about beforehand. You know, Sokka was saying. Oh, it's like, probably a They probably a just like fucking kill people in front of everybody at this festival like you know what i'm That's gonna give Aang some credit I'm it's their own Aang a little more credit there but the only reason we're giving them credit is because they think that they're at a festival where people will be burned alive yeah. why are they there <laughs> God, leave yeah, right, right uh oh. i want to mention the fire magician uh scott i think his name is scott menville or yeah. merville yeah. Uh, do you rec? Did you look into his little background? He does so many voices on this it's show. An unbelievable Actually, amount. I was gonna bring him up last episode, Bato of the Water Tribe, because he's the messenger. He delivers the, the, the map to their father. But I, you know, I IMDb, always, I, I couldn't discern between messenger and like another like soldier or something. So I was like, is that him? And then and that voice I to me almost sounds this. like, oh, is that the actor who plays Sokka, but like manipulating his voice a little or something like that? I get that. You know what I mean? I get that. Uh, the thing that I, I don't know if you like looked at some stuff he's been in. The thing that made me go, oh shit, that's why I recognize that voice so well. He's Robin on Teen Titans. Oh, what for real? Yeah. Holy shit. I Can you I, just I, hear it now? I just did not like see that Hey Teen Titans, let's go. You know, and like that voice with like the a the dragon I can't piece. let go. You know, it's, it's just, just like clicked into place. Yeah, no, totally. Wow. Crazy. That's wild. I love that. Oh, cool, man. I love shit like that too. Um, I love <laughs> the voice for the guy who plays Shay. He's such like a like I I feel like whoever plays Shay is you know, when I looked okay, up his though. credits, there were literally too many for me to be like, this is yeah. what I know him from. He had over 200 things. Wow. It was like 233 credits. But yeah. he it just seems like the perfect guy to be like, hey, man, here, pass the doobie or something. And he's just like in <laughs> yeah. Avatar. You know, I don't know. Right. He just feels almost out of place in the perfect way. It cracks me up. His, he's just perfect. Yeah. There's a lot of really cool visual choices in the, uh, oh, the, the yeah. whole section that follows, which is, you know, the smoke bomb coming out, the sort of tilted uh, low angle on the stage of the soldiers coming up and the smoke bomb coming out. There's the uh, uh, Ang blowing the bison whistle and the sort oh, of yeah. anime like lines flowing. I love past it when him. they do that. Because sometimes like that. they do that kind of thing when like someone's like super angry and it zooms in on their face mm -hmm. and there's like fire behind them or whatever. Sure. But when they use it in an action sequence, it really adds to the uh it's, just the feeling that it's oh, an, yeah. amplifying a specific detail. 
you know, if he had just been like, if he had just blown it while they were running through the alley and all of that and was like fully the animated, in the background, yeah, would have lost that a little bit. But it it brings out this moment very, very specifically. Totally, I love Appa coming down, the high angle of him coming in and then landing, and then the tail slap, <laughs> and then the wide angle from a distant like uh, uh alley, and all the soldiers just just flying by. <laughs> fucking great i love it so much and then he blows all these fireworks which is the perfect cover for them because everybody's looking up but nobody's gonna see this like little speck of bison flying away totally yeah it's perfect so the fire nation has river boats we're introduced to this con <laughs> did i say say that kind of weird sorry no i just <laughs> river boats <laughs> i re- i know i said it weird so yeah, uh yeah the fire nation has river boats uh admiral zhao is like get the river boats you know and Mm -hmm. i don't know i think that's really cool like because obviously they could not take their giant steel (laughs) boot looking (laughs) boat into like these shallow rivers right uh i do love this campfire scene that they get with uh jay where he tells about how zhang zhang is the first one to leave the fire nation army and live and i love how humble he is like even though he's totally just a very goofy character but he's like yeah i guess that kind of makes me the second uh but nobody talks about that that's okay though i'm just like oh i feel on, like man. keanu reeves could play him if they made a uh live action <laughs> <laughs> you know he'd be like he wouldn't, yeah, he wouldn't well, be dopey right, enough man. though yeah you're right know. you're right he would just be straight straight faced keanu right. reeves I also want to take this scene as a, a moment to shout out um, uh, a listener of the show, uh, Chad, who he lives with my brother. He's a super awesome dude. Um, he sent me a message just pointing out because uh, he said specifically he was listening to the Sinbad episode and are talking about lighting in animation like this and how especially in low light situations, it's extremely it's something you have to pay extreme attention to um, as animators. And he just, be, because, you know, in broad daylight, you can just basically light them fully. But you have to think about light sources when you're um, animating in low light situations. And this campfire scene is like a pretty good example of that but also i saw you know there were a couple brief moments in it that it's like yeah man it's difficult and they don't always get it completely right but it's it's not so off kilter that it you know jars you or you know you immediately you notice it but like someone will turn away from the fire and there's still like sort of light both halves of their faces are are able to be seen yeah and like that's something uh you know, perfect to talk about on this podcast because as uh, a filmmaker who is very interested in making horror films, mm-hmm. one of the hardest things about horror is uh, you obviously want a lot of darkness, you right? Know? Mm-hmm. And um, there's this like line that you have to ride of like, okay, would that actually be like that? Like you often notice in a movie that a character that's lit from one end will also have a backlight. They'll have like a little like white almost like a a light edge around them i think you're the first person to point that out for me backlight uh, up so much to separate and oftentimes in a movie you if you really think about it they're inside of a haunted 
dark house where no lights are on what is that backlight like outside you can often be like it's moonlight you know Mm -hmm. it makes sense in my head but uh that's why yeah making like a horror movie inside of a dark house or like a dark cave like the descent does it really really well oh Um, god yeah that's a movie but yeah that's i i find it it probably would be even harder in animation because you have the freedom to do whatever you want so you could easily just be like, I'm just going to animate her as if she's lit, you know? Mm-hmm. She's lit! <laughs> uh, yeah. This whole episode is lit really, really well as and far the... as animated lighting. There's a lot of golden, beautiful golden light. Yeah. I The candles when he first actually meets Zhang Zhang and walks into his tent. Oh, so... And he's not even facing him and he's just like... I can tell that you're not ready. I I can tell by the that's way cool, you walked into my camp. That's so cool to me. Oh, yeah. It's um, going to make me pay attention to how Aang walks for the rest of the show now, too, you know? Yeah. Like, I wonder if his simple act of walking changes a little. He, you know, Aang is trying to say, like, it's part of my destiny to do this. And uh, Zhang Zhang uses this metaphor of, like, does a fish in a river know his own destiny? He can see where he's going, but he doesn't know, like, where where it is that he's headed yeah like he doesn't know oh. the ocean exists i don't know it's just like just the way that, he speaks to this that makes you think a lot about uh like what ang is doing too because like yes there is the ocean at the end of his river like he has a clear end goal it's a path laid mm-hmm. out in front of him but mm-hmm. that's not how life works you still just right you still live life he still needs to naturally follow that path to get to the ocean or else like it'd be like a fish just thinking all right i think it would be like say the river is a curved river thinking okay if i hop over the land i'll land in the ocean mm-hmm. but like oops you missed you know and that's kind of what this episode <laughs> right. is is ang trying to jump yeah. out of his river to get ahead and eh, he's flipping flapping on the land you know i think they have said uh that you know that Aang needs to learn water, earth, and then fire. But this is the first time they're really addressing, like, it needs to be in that order. You know, they've sort of implied that before, but Zhang Zhang lays out why. Like, you need to learn discipline. And fire requires so much more discipline than the other elements. Water is cool and soothing, and earth is inherently stable but fire has a life of its own and it's something you have to like work with and have a relationship with because otherwise it will spread if you don't have any control. Yeah, that speech completely changed my entire perception of fire and firebending on this show. Yeah. Because up until that point, it's not explicitly said, it's not uh, even really shown Mm -hmm. that fire is fire like the real kind of fire in real life you know because in a lot of cartoons uh and media you know if a character has like a torch they can walk through a jungle with it and (laughs) set it down in the jungle and they don't worry about the jungle starting on fire or whatever it's funny you know it's like okay it's just movie fire Mm -hmm. but no the fire in this universe is fire fire and now it like is i don't know like it didn't click until he said that for me, watching this show, like, oh, yeah, like, when Zuko is shooting a fireball at Aang, it's yeah. not the same as Aang shooting an air blast. 
Right. Like an air blast hits him, it pushes him over. A fireball hits Aang, it pushes him over, and he's got second degree burns that you can't get rid of. Right. I was thinking about that actually in the in the showdown uh, between Aang and Zuko in Bato in the last episode, Bato and the of the Water Tribe, when they're and how much a statement that is of Aang's ability to evade because he doesn't get hit once. They have that like sort of. Where between them, some like he air and fire sort he of gets per- hurt for the first time in this episode. Yeah, yeah, and he so he's never taken a hit, which is like you think about like most fights and fighting styles. You like will you're take gonna a get hit. a little something, right? Yeah. Um. Oh, but the way that Jung Jung is convinced, he gets a little visit. Oh from man, Avatar Roku. It's. On an unbelievable moment, especially because of how uh, his little um, like hut is laid out. There's like a mm-hmm. tree in the corner. Yeah. So then when it, it shifts from him talking to Aang, all mm-hmm. of a sudden he's in this golden lit outdoor area as if mm-hmm. the hut disappeared. And it almost feels like he goes back 100, 100 right. years before. And he's sitting before Avatar Roku. Mm-hmm. And... It's just that's that's all he needs to do is just be like, you don't think I can do this? I've learned them yeah. before. I'll learn them again. You will teach me. Yeah. And then he starts the tree on fire. Oh, right. I think that's oh. so cool. And then it all goes away and he's like, I will train you. Oh, and that's great. Like, Yay. He doesn't even know what happened. <laughs> oh, man. His training begins with this like concentration and, you know, he's trying to teach him discipline, this wide stance and the ability to like concentrate through pain and past the point of like ah this is boring like you have to be able to maintain your discipline through that but ang's concentration face is so fucking funny (laughs) (laughs) um look at her she's concentrating even that oaf knows to concentrate on what he's doing it's like yeah ang has been pretty like pretty attention deficit Honestly, it, and it makes sense when you think about him learning how to water bend and basically getting to a point where Sokka or Katara can't even teach him anything anymore. You know, mm-hmm. so he just assumes that that's how it works. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I mean, as an Airbender, he was way above all of his other, uh, all the other students because he. I mean, we talked about it. He might have even been the oldest one there too. Yeah. So right. it just seems like. You know, a 12-year-old who doesn't understand discipline mm-hmm. has to learn it through this. It's like, oh, you can't do the coolest thing ever. You have to learn discipline first. Just, right. And, and also it, the way he's perfect. seeing it and the way he's talking about it is further conf- confirming Zhang Zhang's uh, impression. Exactly. Because yeah. he's like, ah, oh, when do we get to the cool firebending stuff? It's like, that's not what it's about it's about and oh it's about getting in touch with this element and the way he talks about the sun how the sun cool it's the source of all fire and it's also completely in balance with nature oh like that's that's what he's trying to teach him and he's just not paying attention he gets he gets to the top of this mountain and he's like widen your stance you're not even looking widen your stance (laughs) um but that's like, you know, a, a valid thing is like, no matter how wide your stance is, it can be wider and you can manage through it. And you got to learn yeah. breathing and getting in touch with yourself. And then um, he finally does get to the the actual fire usage, which is so dope. And I'm actually kind of 
I mean, I get why he's like, mom, but this leaf and like, make sure the, the embers don't get to the edge of the That's leaf. That's a big step. That's a big step. And it's really cool. And it's, it gives you even more development on this idea, on this new lens ooh, <laughs> that we're seeing fire bending <laughs> through, <laughs> which is like, you need to be able to control it. It has a mind of its own. And the main yeah. thing that you're doing is trying to maintain a whole it. aspect about it. You don't think about because you think of it as just this candle flame in your hand mm-hmm. where if it's burning something, if you can stop it from destroying that thing, that mm-hmm. is true firebending. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And Aang just, that moment makes my heart sink every time when he goes from being like, I'll wait. I'm ready. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. We're going to work with fire. Yahoo! Yeah. Right. You know, there's like the whistling music. It's a goofy music. little thing, but it's, it's also goofy, like, It's goofy, but oh, it's also Aang. like, oh shit, you didn't learn anything. Yeah. And then he does. And he... The first thing he fucking does is fire off like a, a stream of fire. Out towards the stream. That's the it's first fucking thing he does. Yeah, it's basically like his progression he did while waterbending. Right? Except he just learned what the point of firebending is. Like, why you don't <sighs> do that. Yeah. But also, he's 12, and that's good mm-hmm. that he got this. He mm-hmm. learned this way, you know? Um, not saying it's good that he burned Guitara, because that is one of the hardest hitting moments in the entire show. Yeah, I never forget that moment. It 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 sits with me even after because they don't really talk about it too much more. Um, like it's not like gonna create this weird uh, right. social thing right. for the next five episodes. Hmm. But I'm gonna be thinking about it. The yeah. moment him looking just pure joy on his face and then realizing what's happening too late, hmm. trying to stop Katara screaming, and then Sokka jumping on him. You burn my sister. When he jumps on him, my heart sinks every time. The angles through all of that are yeah. extremely, it enhances the emotion of that moment so much because there's that slow-mo of him burning her and then these low angles of Katara being burned, Aang trying to go over, being tackled by Sokka. With like the he's camera like, on the ground with them. like grabbing the grass even. Like you see Aang's hand. Like he's so, yeah. there's so much tension in that moment. Oh, and it's just so effective. Uh, and then Sokka says to Zhang Zhang, this is your fault. And he says, I know. Like, he's immediately that like, That moment yeah, always, I said it, this was that sticks out in my mistake. memory. The way he, I know, mm-hmm. pack your things, you must leave. Like, the yeah. way he says that sticks out in my memory. Like, he was waiting for this to happen, basically. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, man. But another good thing we get out of this, Katara learning that she can heal. I think it's one of the most beautiful oh. things in the whole show. And the soundtrack the in that healing, moment, that beautiful yep. woodwind. I don't know if that's and like then, a flute or something, but. And then Zhang Zhang talking to her about how he just would much rather have her gifts and her being like, but you're a great master. Oh. And being like, no matter how good I am at this, this is still destruction. Like what you have. Gifts. Yeah. it's And then what's so cool about that moment is we see right at hand how much of a master he is yeah a fireball comes out of nowhere and he just shifts into this dope ass position of like Mm -hmm. like he's got like one foot out one knee up and like an arm out and an arm up and he just Mm -hmm. blocks the fireball it's like the coolest thing ever and then he just gets up does like one of those like you know motions with his hands centers himself and then Mm -hmm. creates a wall of fire a massive wall of fire 
I think that's the coolest thing we've seen as far as firebending goes so far, yeah. right? Like nobody yeah. has done anything even close, <laughs> even yeah. close, even close <laughs> to that level yet. And then we do get to see Aang, like, this is, you know, you said this isn't going to make a weird relationship between the two of them because I think they have enough of uh, an understanding in a relationship now to be able to forgive each other. Like, they've they've gone through that before. But in a way, Aang does not forgive himself for, yeah. I mean, slight spoilers, but, like, this is a decision that haunts him continually. He yeah. says... I am never going to firebend again. And Katara's like, I mean, come on, that's not realistic. And he's like, no, I never want to do this again. I never want to hurt anybody. And this is dangerous. And I never want to do it again. And that is something that will be referenced again. I'm glad that he was sitting in the exact same position Zhang Zhang was. It makes mm -hmm. that, it makes us really see like how he, what level of like uh, pain he feels. But just imagine Zhang Zhang, like, after everything is over, being like, oh, that was crazy. I'm going to go back and have some rest. And then going in there and Aang's just, like, sitting there. He's like, what the fuck are you doing in my house? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, you saying that, I, I, so, I, I got how that, you know, mirroring thing. But I do want to say, like, that makes me think, think of how much pain and destruction Zhang Zhang has caused that has... From put him in the same that has put of, him like, in the leaving. same yeah right but he was born yeah he we saw and he served in the Fire Nation army but left we saw how he was raised in this episode we right. saw kids in the Fire Nation we saw him right. basically yeah think about that you know mm -hmm. oh man uh so Zhao shows up and starts wrecking shit and we find I think out that he was the the pupil he his, was the pupil that was had been being referenced. I love the use of the word savage. There's just yeah. a simple, quick Savagery. exchange where uh, Zhao says, I've seen, I see you've reduced yourself to savagery. Yeah. And then Zhang Zhang says, clearly I'm not the one who is a savage. Yeah. And, and it's just like this amazing signifier. Like mm -hmm. to Zhao, savagery is poverty. That's right. all it means to him. Yeah. To Zhang Zhang, to be dirty. it is, yeah, yeah. to be yeah, to Zhang Zhang, it is the definition of the word, which is, you know, vile and evil. It's basically. a lack of humanity. And he actually lack lays that humanity. out in his conversation with Katara. He says, you know, th this is a burden. And if if you treat it wrong, you begin to lose your humanity and make your way to savagery. Like he says that before. And then Zhao shows up and he's like, ah, you know, they and then that it's done. That yeah, conversation it's, it's I love the. Yeah, because that's oh. a word. That I, I think gets thrown around inappropriately a lot. And yeah, they basically do that. I think about Aang tricking Zhao into burning down his ships constantly. I really do. I think it's one of the moments that sticks out to me in the show all the time. Specifically being like, I'm General Zhao, while shaking his butt. <laughs> that moment makes me laugh my ass off every time. Just because when you think about it, this yeah. is like... Hugh Jackman, basically, <laughs> right. angry, trying to kill you with mm. fire after you just, like, went through a traumatic experience with fire. <laughs> right. And you're just like, oh, I'm General Zhao, while shaking <laughs> your butt at this guy. Like, yeah. it's beautiful. It's just, Aang never loses that spirit. Uh, Ooh, I want to, I don't have anything else written, but, but 
the use of close-ups in this episode are mm-hmm. brilliant. There's two oh. particular close-ups, one of Zhang Zhang and then of Zhao later, where uh, fire is lighting their face in the close-up. Mm-hmm. So they have like hun- like a hundred shades of orange and red yeah. within the wrinkles and crevices of their face and hair. And it's honestly like I could make a poster out of like the close-up of Zhang Zhang. And I would have that poster. That'd be cool. Mm-hmm. Not Zhao, because he's a dick. <laughs> um, I do want to point out, uh, and we talked about this before the episode. We both saw this. This is another episode directed by Lauren McMullen. Um, we talked about that in a previous episode. And this is another one that takes a lot of very mature notions and handles them very, very well. And uh, it's directed by a woman. Huh. What do you know? When I uh, watch this show or any show, it's disheartening to see how often there's, like, one director who directs, like, every episode and then, like, two directors who every now and then direct episodes Mm -hmm. when those two directors are just as good. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, like, why, you know? Mm -hmm. I wonder why Lauren wasn't the director for as many episodes as... uh, he directs like every other Filoni? episode of the show. Dave, Dave Filoni. Dave Filoni. Yeah. I nothing against Dave Filoni because he made some of my favorite episodes of the show, probably because oh, yeah. he made most of them. But I wonder why he was the director of most and why she wasn't. You know, mm-hmm. I I think a a good thing to do would just be to look into her. You know, oh, yeah. her directorial things. I'm gonna see what she's done on IMDb and watch other TV show episodes she's done, even if it's not Avatar. Why not? Yeah. Well, uh, it's probably about time we should get to Kid Moment of the Week. Kid Moment of the Week. I don't know. Yeah. Um, this wasn't a not funny episode. Oh, you know what? I th- honestly think the Kid Moment of the Week might be the first line in the episode. Or not the first line, but one of the first lines of Sokka huh. just being like, can you see if you could find a menu? I'm starving. Because it's so <laughs> yeah. almost like out of like a joke book of Sokka jokes. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? true. It cracks me up. I wasn't uh, thinking about this, but I was looking over my notes and uh, the mask switching moment where they buy the masks. Oh, that's it. And Aang's <laughs> got the brownie one and Sokka's the got the smiley off. one and Katara's like, mm, this has got to be switched. <laughs> and they're frowning and smiling under the masks. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think that, uh, would you agree with that? I think that's probably. Absolutely. Yeah, that's probably Takes the moment. cake. Uh, well, quite the influential episode we've got here. Um, we are, once again, if you didn't know, going on a weekly basis now, uh, because of a trip that we're both taking, uh, just sort of ease the load on, uh, on ourselves, but, um, we will be back next Sunday with another episode, and if you're looking for other content, we've got our actual play Dungeons and Dragons podcast with Dustin and Sam called Legendary Four Adventures. Space Vampires. It's a lot of fun. Uh, oh, wait, I have to go. Space Vampires. I think I always do when you do that. And <laughs> yeah. it like, yeah. I was kind of that. expecting you to. So I uh, saw your face. So I was like, wait. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, that's about all we've got for this one. Uh, thanks. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm Calvin. And I'm Gary. This has been a new lens. And you have just finished this episode.